tell you what, this weather, insanely bad. And non-stop, no reprieve from all of this wind and rain. But you know what I spotted on the Bay of Plenty civil defence social media pages is this amazing translation of what the different levels mean in terms of severe weather. So like severe watch, severe warning, severe weather events. And maybe it was just me who only would ever read the word severe weather and just bunker down and hope for the best. But each one obviously naturally means something different. It uses burgers to explain the differences between the three. So if there's a severe weather watch, think of it as if you've got all the ingredients for burgers, but there's no guarantee they're going to be made. If there's a severe weather warning, the burgers have been made. We have burgers, but you might not get served one. And if there's a severe weather event, it's burgers all round. Burgers for everyone. You get a burger, I get a burger. There's no choices. It's burgers for dinner. It's happening. There you go. That's the differences between the three different ways that they describe severe weather or get your attention for severe weather. I learnt a lot. Hopefully you did too. Kia ora, this is Newsable, I'm Imogen and this is what's worth talking about. Wellington is bracing for impact with planned protests set to hit the capital. Today we're checking in with police around PrEP and investigating who these protesters are and what it is that they want. I'm not yet done talking about politicians getting struck by lightning. We're chatting to one of the MPs who has been hit by a bolt from the sky, plus the turtle that made its way to New Zealand from Central America against the odds. We're talking to the turtle's keeper, not the turtle, sadly. Um, But we've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Streets have been closed off and many public servants told to work from home as Wellington once again plays host to protesters. The main group expected to converge on Parliament is the Freedom and Rights Coalition, founded by Destiny Church's Brian Tamaki. The group is calling its protest the Revolution Convoy 2023. But this isn't the only group that could turn up. The Porniki Anti-Fascist Coalition is planning a counter-protest. So, what lessons did police learn from the occupation of Parliament grounds last year and what action is being taken this year to keep things under control? I'm joined now by Acting Superintendent Wade Jennings. Kia ora. Kia ora. Wade, what preparations are in place for the protest action? So we've had notification of these protests for several weeks now, so we've had the opportunity to, to really plan. So we've got traffic management in place, so the roads around Molesworth and Parliament are currently closed. We've fenced off parts of Parliament, so that way there is only three separate ways you can get into Parliament. And the reason we're doing that is to kind of act like the stadium when you come through, if you're carrying large tents, um, structures, or items like that, you're going to be refused entry. Uh, secondly to that, we have tow trucks, and they will be in the city and ready to respond immediately. So, yeah, a couple of lessons we've learned there from, from last year already in place. And more than one protest potentially happening. What goes into planning and organising around that? Yes, we have multiple people arriving in the city with all all different versions of uh, why they're here. And so that does present some challenges, but we're confident several of them are communicating with us, so we understand their plans and what they're going to do. Um, Others are not engaging so well. And of course, not all planned demonstrations actually amount to much. We have seen that a number of times. Do you know, though, how many people might be showing up? Have you been monitoring or keeping tabs on on numbers? 
Yes, we have been monitoring, and you're quite right. Sometimes the people that like on Facebook, they're going to come. That doesn't turn out to be the actual number. Um, slightly harder for us this time to find exact numbers because people are traveling from all around the country and all different mm. means of transport flying in. Obviously, the ferry has been cancelled. has had a bit of disruption, and the convoys, uh, they'll be picking up people on the way. Then also people haven't been continuing on. So you're much better prepared this time round. The public can feel uh, assured that this has been fully prepared for. Yeah, I'm confident. Um, we have planned really well. We've prepared. We're under a lot of scrutiny, both from ourselves and the IPCA last year. Uh, we've learned a lot of lessons. The public will see a very efficient and well-drilled policing. Are we expecting the protest action to be over and done with in one day? That is our hope. Um, so I guess the message we're, we're giving to them is, you know, welcome to Wellington. Please park legally. Enjoy your walk through the city. Enjoy your time at Parliament. Have your say, have your voices heard, have your speeches, and then leave Parliament grounds and have a safe journey home. But we have contingency plans in place. It should play out differently. Acting Superintendent Wade Jennings, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. So why are these demonstrations being held and who are these people? Well, to shed a bit of light, we're joined by The Post and Sunday Star Times editor Tracy Watkins. Kia ora, Tracy. Welcome back. Kia ora. Thank you. Tracy, the Freedom and Rights Coalition, can you remind us what that group is campaigning for? Right. This is where it gets complicated. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think initially they were campaigning against mask mandates, vaccine mandates, all those things. Mm. Those things have gone, obviously. And it now seems like there's just a whole lot of other things conflated with their cause. Their march on Parliament is something to do with this UN uh, charter and this meeting that Ashley Bloomfield was going to be chairing and they were going to take a message to Ashley. It's no longer happening at Parliament. That's gone online because of the threats from this protest. The issues are climate change, which is apparently a scam according to these groups. There's the transgender agenda. There's the race-based politics, global control. Oh, and 15-minute cities, which is also one of those weird ones that has become incredibly controversial with these groups where they consider, you know, the 15-minute city is supposed to be how you... Yeah, it's like everything's within a 15-minute distance from your house, so you don't need to rely on driving a car. Is kind Yeah, of and it's become tied up with this theory that it's almost like putting an electronic bracelet on people so that they don't go beyond 15 minutes and it's controlling the population. Right. There's a lot of... A, a lot, lot of issues. A, a lot of yeah. issues that they've uh, pinpointed as... is their mainstay. How is Wellington feeling about all this? I mean, I covered the protest at Parliament last year. It's triggering to see those bollards and concrete and all that stuff going up. And I imagine everyone living around that area, you know, like the Kate Shepherd apartments, all those people who live up in Hill Street in Parliament who had months of disruption, the retailers who Mm. basically just their business died. I imagine their hearts are sinking about the prospect of more disruption. And already, you know, driving to work this morning, the bollards were up, there was roads closed. So there's going to be disruption regardless. I mean, the the protest hasn't even started yet. It's obviously not a rerun yet. We haven't got an occupation and I think everyone would hope that this time there wouldn't be. And also, I think we all might be completely proved wrong. It feels like this one is going to fizzle out a bit. Yeah. I mean, the weather's not in, in anyone's yeah. favour. Uh, yeah. Uh, that alone might. Yeah. We're all hibernating at the moment. <laughs> why, why are they here marching in the streets? It's too cold. It's too wet. Go home. It's a bit of a wait and see game. Tracy Watkins, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. 
Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on, then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires. Go the Black Caps. And don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you're supporting? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? It what? They don't regulate sock height. I'm sorry. There's a sport that regulates sock height? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different. Remember, if you do want to get in touch, you can find us on TikTok or Insta. Search for Newsable NZ. And if you've got more to say, send us an email. Go on, newsable at stuff.co.nz. Yesterday, I asked you if you'd been struck by lightning or if you knew anyone who'd been struck by lightning. And 100% of you said no to both of those questions, which proves that it is very weird that three MPs or MP hopefuls have been struck by lightning. I think somebody needs to do a scientific study into the very clear relationship between politicians and lightning bolts. But one of those three MPs is Labour's Aisha Vero, and she is here now to tell us what it's like to be struck by lightning and also, as the party's health spokesperson, is going to answer some questions on Labour's latest pharmac policy. Promise. Kia ora. Kia ora, Imogen. Lovely to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will get to pharmac, I do promise, but first thing has to be first. You've been struck by lightning. Please tell me the details. Yeah, a long time ago, when I was 21 or 22, It was the summertime, I was visiting Wellington and my friend and I were walking into the city and it burst out raining. So we ran to a bus stop, which in those days were kind of built out of corrugated iron. Mm -hmm. And I was running ahead of him. And just as I got to this bus stop, I felt like he was behind me and it kicked me in my car. (gasps) And then as I turned around kind of to look why he was kicking me and just getting in under the shelter of the bus stop. The flash happened and then I heard the thunder a few seconds later. Um, and and as I turned around, I looked and I he, he was 10 metres behind me still, so he couldn't have kicked me. Oh, my goodness. So you even saw the lightning as well? Yes, yeah, yeah. And given your medical background, are you please able to explain to us who have not been hit by lightning, what happens to a human body when that happens? You know, I was a medical student at the time, and um, perhaps this betrays a lack of curiosity about lightning, but I, I didn't even look it up. Would have been my first question of med school. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it gets conducted through your body, and of course I'm aware that you can die from it. I was practising medicine in Singapore, where it is taken very seriously, as because there's lightning every second afternoon in, oh. in Singapore, and so people will come inside um you know, there's lots of outdoor pools because it's tropical and, and, you know, everyone clears out of the pool immediately when that happens. Do you believe that there could be a link between getting struck by lightning and then getting involved in New Zealand politics? Um, it's hard to believe, <laughs> really, isn't it? Though I take your point that there has, there are, uh, obviously my colleague Maureen Pugh has had the misfortune, I've uh, read her report on this, of being struck 
Three times. Three um, times. Yeah, you've got to feel sorry for someone who has <laughs> has that experience. And um, I'm aware I got off lightly, so, you know, it's pretty pretty rough. Yeah, three times. I just can't wrap my head around it. We will move on to Pharmac. Labor is promising to turbocharge, quote, Pharmac funding if re-elected, increasing that funding by more than $1 billion over the next four years. Pharmac, of course, being the country's drug-buying agency. Should that investment have been made earlier in the piece while in government rather than as an election promise? So we're really proud of our track record of increasing funding across the health system progressively. Uh, for Pharmac, we've already, while we've been in government, raised it 40%, and this would add another uh, billion dollars over the next four years. So essentially our approach has been to continuously grow the investment. This will allow us to continue some of the new drugs that we've invested in that have really been game changers, like um, tricafeter for people with cystic fibrosis can mean what would be something that would see people die in their 30s. They can live for much longer. Talk to me a little bit more about how you see that money being used. Do we know other treatments that would be possibly picked up? Yeah, Pharmac has a long list of what they call options for investments. Other medicines which um, have been proven through Pharmac's evaluation to make a big difference to people, either because it extends their life or because it prevents illness or disability. And one of the key differences between our policy and the National Party's policy is that we want everyone to be able to benefit from the medicine, so we haven't limited it just to cancers. Will this $1 billion fix all of the pharmac funding problems that people continue to raise? Uh, no, it won't. And if um, if I could have a magic wand for so many problems in the health system, I, I wish we could. But it'll be a solid contribution towards that. Uh, so it's continuing to grow and close some of the gaps between medicines funding in New Zealand and overseas. Aisha Vero, thank you so much for your time and please stay safe out there. Thank you. The amazing journey won three flippered turtles, say that three times fast, made from Costa Rica to Northland is up next. And remember, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. A rare black sea turtle has made its way to our shores all the way from Costa Rica with just three flippers. That's a nearly 12,000 kilometre swim from Central America to New Zealand for little YY Toru, which means three foot, who was found stranded on a Dargaville beach. YY Toru was taken to Auckland Zoo where they were treated for a severe respiratory infection and now they're at Kelly Tulton's for some recovery and rehabilitation. So here to tell us what that looks like is Kelly Tulton's lead aquarist water title, Tyler Hall. Kia ora. Hello, how's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. And how is YY Toru? Still pretty weak, but doing a lot better than when they first came in. You know, this turtle was in a pretty bad state when we received them. We're doing everything we can to sort of build up their strength again and looking a lot better, but it's still, we're not out of the woods yet. Why would a black sea turtle swim from Costa Rica to New Zealand? Well, the stage that they're at at the moment is like a sub-adult stage. So they're still juvenile and a lot of scientists will call this the lost years because they'll spend a lot of time exploring and it's common for turtles this age to wash up here. And how would a turtle like Waiwai Toru with only three flippers fear during that ginormous journey? Yeah, so a lot of the time you find that turtles will spend a huge amount of time resting but in that weakened state, I mean, it would have gone through a huge journey to sort of get to where it got to, and it's a, mm. it's a fighter. Um, we find that turtles, even if they are missing a flipper, they can still 
perform most of their activities pretty well. They can still sink when they need to. They can still push their food away if they have to. So a lot of the time it doesn't cause too much distress, but yeah, it would be quite a bit harder. Normally when they wash up, they're exhausted. They haven't been eating. They're dehydrated and they're basically, yeah, they're on the sort of the brink really. Mm, Poor wee thing. And does it seem like uh, they were born without the fourth flipper or does it look like that could have been an injury related? Uh, Most likely the thing that's caused it has been, I'd say, a shark attack. Obviously, um, turtles are natural food for sharks, so it could be that. That's the most likely possibility. Otherwise, there's also a boat strike. If a boat's gone over the top and hit the turtle, that could be one thing, or even being caught in um, commercial fishing nets. And once recovery and rehab is complete, will YY Toru join the Kelly Tarleton's Fano for good, or do you imagine uh, they'll be released? So all of our turtles that we get, we... Our end goal is to release them. Um, mm. We never, ever hold on to any turtles permanently. How long do you uh, imagine this recovery and rehabilitation phase will take? Yeah, for YY, I'd say it's probably going to be a year, maybe a year and a half, depending on how it goes. We're still early days with this turtle. It's still extremely sick. Mm. So we're treating it every single day with antifungal, antibiotics, um, you know, having to tube feed it as well because it just doesn't have the strength to eat on its own. Have you seen any little sparks of personality come out yet? Oh, we have, definitely. <laughs> this turtle is possibly one of the sweetest that <laughs> I've... Stop, I've, I'm going to um, cry. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really lovely. It's just so gentle. It doesn't put up a fight too much. It's just it, it seems to know that we're wanting to help it, oh. which is really good. But yeah, it's so, so gentle and really, really cute. Tyler Hall, Kelly Tulton's lead aquarist. Thank you so much for your time and for that update on YY Toru. And uh, don't tell Bean that I think turtles might be my new favourite animal. I'm in love. Who knew that they could feel it when you scratch them on their, what is it called? Shell? House? We'll go with Shell because I, I, I think that is uh, the correct term. That is news for today. I'm Imogen Wells. Go and Google turtles. Find out some more things about them and email them to me. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.